0: hey everybody welcome to the third episode of all queued up the unofficial netflix podcast for mission start podcast um if you're new to the show new to the podcast what josh and i here do uh is discuss um two specific netflix original programs um i guess i kind of skipped the introduction oh well my name is greg deets i'm your main host, and my co-host to my, it's this, no, it's this direction, there we go, (laughs) I was trying to remember to the camera, Um, is uh, Josh Fisher.
1: How y'all doing? (laughs)
0: Uh, This week's episode, uh, we are going to be discussing briefly the Patton Oswalt special, Annihilation, Uh, But the chunk of the episode is going to be very strong spoiler territory for Stranger Things season one, season two, and the, uh, it's kind of a trend that started with Walking Dead, but like this post-show discussion kind of thing, um, and the way that Netflix did it was very different, where it's seven episodes that has different interviews with the cast from Stranger Things, um, and it's and the entire the entire like thing is meant to be watched after you binge watch all of season two, so it's kind of bizarre. But we'll get into that. Uh, but let's start with uh, the Patton Oswalt special. Um, it is a it's his most recent stand up special, where he basically for an hour discusses politics. Um, he doesn't really dive into some of the more geeky material that he used to in the past. But he also talks very strongly about and not very briefly for like he like i would say almost the second half or at least the third the last third of the entire thing is about his life after his wife passed away um so we'll we'll get into that uh right now um the I actually watched this whole thing while giving blood <laughs> about two weeks ago um and uh, I'm sitting there, like, because I have to give platelets, which means that it takes about an hour and a half to do. So I'm just sitting there with a needle in my arm, rolling this thing in my hand that they, they owe me to. And I'm just laughing every, every couple seconds because it was just, it was hilarious. And I remember the nurses, or not well, I don't know if you want to call them nurses, but they came over and they're like, what are you watching? And I'm like, this Pat Oswalt special that's super, like, political that I'm not going to talk about in public right now.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, that first, like, 20 minutes is all like I don't want to say anti-Trump but it's pretty strong anti-Trump oh, um so it's yeah <laughs> it's not because it's not just anti-Trump it's like anti-everything around Trump too um it's very funny it's I mean it's if if you're not a fan of of who he is of who Trump is then you're probably going to find these jokes very funny uh, how did how did you feel about that that segment?
2: I thought it was hilarious, especially how, you know, he used to wake up, check his email, check Twitter. And now it's like, okay, check the email. Oh God, oh God, now I've got to look at Twitter. Shit, what's he done now? You know, (laughs) because obviously on a three hour time difference from the East Coast to West Coast, things have already happened. And it's just like, Jesus. But uh, I, I thought it was pretty funny. But it's like he was saying, he said, this orange buffoon, this orange scrotum, whatever it was that he called him,
0: I think cheeto dusted scrotum,
2: cheeto dusted scrotum, and that's pretty appropriate, I
0: feel uh sorry uh that's just what I think uh <laughs> um look i mean i i I used to have this mentality where I'd say no politics on the podcast or streaming, but
1: i get that back
0: when back when politics wasn't as, what it, what it is, when it wasn't what it is now, Extremely that was absolutely a, a a possibility. Don't talk about politics because it's a sketchy subject, but it's at a time now where we have somebody in office who's so awful that we have to kind of be outspoken. And like, I even watched the Mark Marin special and that was- Oh, that was a very good one. He spent like a, a twenty minutes himself talking mm. about current politics, and I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Mark Maron one is and as 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 funny as the Pat Oswalt one. Like I loved both. I was like, yeah, I watched both of these in a day, and these are great. Um, oh, they
2: they they really were, and uh, I can relate to things in both of them personally. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, they're definitely for people our age or older. Um. But uh but yeah like I think it's totally fair to say that you and I don't like Trump. We don't have to say where we affiliate when it comes to our political alignments but it's absolutely like yeah, fuck Trump. Um pretty much. I mean I mean I'm in that boat. So yeah, and and a lot of what he says is very accurate. You know, he makes a point through comedy that <laughs> It's not so much that Trump is a terrible politician or that he, his policies are as awful. They're awful, but that's not the point that he tries to make. The point he tries to make is he needs to not be on Twitter. Like, that's a big problem. Um, Because of his views are so outlandish and crazy that the more he's on Twitter, the less uh, competent this country looks.
2: Absolutely.
0: And uh, he says that very poignantly and very funny. Um, but uh, I would like to talk to the person who doesn't agree with that viewpoint and see if they found what he said funny. Um, but then again, if you follow Pat Oswalt on Twitter, he's very outspoken against the current administration. so. hmm
2: it wasn't yeah, too terribly
0: shocking he'd talk about it.
2: I enjoy what he usually tweets. And, uh, you know, and that's a point he made. He didn't want to dwell on it too much because he's like, you know, most people would think, oh, comedian, you should be happy. You should be happy this guy's in office. It's like, no, now we've got too much material. It's like, look, look at this guy. He He's an idiot. Look what he's doing now. Oh, get a picture. And let me turn around and send this to Instagram. It was like, oh, look,
0: now he's eating shit. He's literally <laughs> eating shit, and
2: you turn around. and it's like, "What? I missed it already." Uh, it's just,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, with with other presidents, it's the it, once a month sort of thing, or you know, twice a month sort of thing. With Trump, it's literally every day, and it it just becomes overbearing. It's overwhelming, and uh, but he, you know, like he he tells that in a very comedic way, like Josh just said with the uh, <laughs> the eating shit thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he does spend a hefty amount of his of his show on that, and then, and then he briefly talks about some other things here and there, and I don't really remember what they were, because they weren't as important. It almost felt like filler for the center of the show, because he knew he was going to start strong and end strong, and so that middle bit is kind of forgettable.
2: Uh, Plus, I mean, it was, it's also been about two weeks since either you or I watched it.
0: Right, right. So... I'm only remembering the stuff that really stood out. And the second part that I want to talk about is when he lost his wife. Oh. Uh, And it happened
2: just after his last Netflix special, just a couple of days after that was released last year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, I remember hearing about it back in April and I was... I, in my mind, I remember thinking this. This is. This would be devastating for literally anybody. Like, I don't think there'd be anybody who would be like, okay with it. I think a lot of people, at a certain point, like let's say it's cancer or or, or some other disease that's slowly dear, de- uh, slowly killing the person that they love, and there's a point where they can come to terms with it. They start to go through the grieving process prior to the person's death. So after the person's death, no problem. Like, not no problem, but they're able to get over it a little bit faster. He didn't have that ability. It was almost it was almost instant. Uh, so for him, it was a very hard process. And he's also the kind of guy that... He was a geek growing up. He was a nerd. He didn't have a lot of female opportunities. So finding someone that found him as interesting as he found the other person is interesting and, and just like making that connection. And it was something incredibly important to him and to lose that was just too much, but he tells an amazing story and that's the first time that he decided to get out of the house and actually do some stuff. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Josh was taking his daughter to school.
2: Yeah. Yep. No. Uh, when uh they went to when he after he dropped her off um and decided are you talking about when he decided to go visit the cemetery
0: uh that but also i'm talking about before like he 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 agrees to take his daughter to school and like there's a bunch of kids asking him questions
2: oh yeah and how kids you know they don't know
0: Appropriate they don't have filters. moments yeah. or
2: inappropriate questions, of what to ask and what not to ask.
0: <laughs> so, so, you are you gonna get a are you are you gonna get your daughter a new? I don't know. I don't know yet. Like I don't. I don't have an answer for that. Well, because when my mommy and daddy got a divorce, my daddy had a new had a stepmommy right away.
1: I'm sure. She yeah. did, I'm
0: sure that's thing. Um. Also, apparently, there's be seems to be a dog fight outside my house. Uh sure everybody can hear that great this is why i need a studio i need to build one in my room uh (laughs) anyway um ignore all that i don't know what that's about uh but yeah he and then he kind of gets to the end and the end was the last like 10 minutes was powerful
2: uh oh god yes it was
0: uh so his wife was a uh she did a lot of uh cold cases and um uh true crime mysteries like she wrote books on on true crime stories and uh you know a lot of people would try to convince her or tell her that you know everything's planned there's there's a there's a a reason for everything um and she would sit there and say no everything's chaotic you never know what's going to happen nobody has any plans there's no big thing for anybody and uh it's it's you know it's it's just chaos so be nice to other people be kind um and uh i was sitting there i was sitting in the 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 blood source and i like i actually started to well up a little bit cuz like that that for me speaks volumes i can't speak for josh here and i'll let him kind of touch on how he felt about it but there's a uh when I was in seventh grade, I, can't, I, I, I had this realization of, oh, there's no God. In my mind, there was no God. I can't, again, can't speak for anybody else, but I had decided I, I didn't want to believe in anything. So I started looking more into science. And I had figured out that through just normal scientific study, that the universe is just chaos. And meaning that our lives are just chaos. There's no plan for anything. Things just happen. And then Carl Sagan came in with Pale Blue Dot. And that, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, or whenever I'm feeling like I can't get a hold of any situation or anything like that, I listen to Pale Blue Dot, and it actually calms me down. And for Pat Nozzle's wife, I guess... I I guess I wife, fuck it... um, she kind of had the same attitude of of things aren't going to be great. Things are going to suck. So be kind to one another. Don't let Oh my God, is anyone going to like, again, chaos. (laughs) Uh, um, sorry for our listeners if that's loud, but I can't do anything about it. Um, Uh, but yeah, things suck, so be kind to one another. You never know what somebody else is going through, and it it just, like, I love that quote. Everything's chaos, be kind, or things are chaos. How did she say that? How did he say that
2: She said, said, it's chaos, be kind. It's
0: chaos, that's right.
2: Just four words, and pretty powerful ones at that, really, to just sum it up. Um, but yeah, carry on.
0: No, I was, I was just, okay. that's all I'm getting at, is it, it It was very, it was a very powerful statement to me and I could see how powerful it was to him and how he basically has used it now. And, uh, I'm going to keep using it because I feel like it exemplifies how I am as a person. So, but how did you, how did you feel about that, Josh?
2: It hit me pretty hard. It hit me really hard. Um, I, I flat out cried. Misty, I was watching it, she was asleep, and the next thing I you know, I hear her crying, and she had actually woken up and been watching it almost from the beginning, and it's like I didn't mean to wake you up. she's like, "You didn't wake me up." And she was just, you know, um, I can relate to that situation, though, because I have been through that situation.: Really? Yeah. I, and it I was unexpected, it was terrible. Um, and it's like you said, no way to ready yourself for it. And it's one of the most absolute terrible things anybody could ever go through. And I would never wish that on anybody, not even the orange <laughs> dusted scrotum, cheeto dusted scrotum. I mean, I wouldn't even wish that on him and I despise that guy.
1: Yeah.
2: But, uh, maybe. it's a terrible thing and it's, everybody deals with, that type of grief in their own way. And it was, you know, I didn't have, how long were he and his wife married? Over a decade, I know, I think. But I know their daughter was yes. only like seven when it happened. Yeah, You know, I didn't have years and years and years with this person. I had a very short time with this person. And there were no children involved. So I can only imagine, you know, and they always say, you know, pain's pain. Mm -hmm. There's no way to measure one person's pain compared to another person's pain. But I can't fathom the emotion that he actually had to go through. And if something were to happen to Misty and I had to tell Madison, I don't know if I could survive that, man. I really don't. Um, It was just a terrible thing. So that's why it was so personally touching for me because I've been... I've had to deal with the loss of a significant other. Um, And now, you know, here I am. uh, From Virginia, just like Patton Oswalt, you know, he's from northern Virginia, but he's from Virginia. Uh, I grew up geek. I didn't have a lot of females interested in me growing up or, you know, um, and I'm, you know, heavy in the nerd culture still to this day. Um, I just, I relate to him in a lot of ways in that regard, the type of person he is and his background he came from, and then just finding somebody that you mesh so well with and then to lose that all in an instant is just, it's too much for anybody to take. And the whole it's chaos, be kind thing. And he was trying to argue with her. He said... I would say, but what if there is some type of something out there? He's like, not necessarily a God, but some type of greater presence. Something that is kind of like a God point. She's like, no, it's chaos, just be kind. And then he says this line, and it's his way of dealing with it, but he said she won the argument in the shittiest way possible. Dude, that made me start crying like a little girl with a skin knee because you know it's it it was awful. It was awful, but it was very powerful. And I've always liked Patton Oswalt, and I think I I love how just flat out nerdy he is, just self-proclaimed geek. But he's also very creative, and I like how he has worked through this. Um using his and using this uh and his creativity to move through it and work through it, and you know it's a process it takes you never get over it, but you know yeah. it's the that, that old adage you know it gets easier with time is true
0: but yeah i think that's i think that's if if anybody can take anything away from this special it's use Pat as a barometer of of how one can handle grief and how one can move forward you know he makes it very very like a very strong point that you're never going to get over it you're never going to just move past it you know he he. there's days where he'll just break down and cry because he misses her so much and he goes i don't think i'll ever not do that but there is a point where you realize that if you're not living then you're not remembering them for who they were and I think that people who have gone through loss need to have that idea, need to have that thought process of, the person wasn't around for me to mope. You know, when my, when my mom lost her brother Billy uh, due to cancer and she just was super mopey, I remember talking to her and saying that, I don't think Uncle Billy would want you to do this he'd want you to do things and move on and and enjoy life. And uh she she agreed and decided to go out with her friend one night and that's exactly what she needed. So um and he kind of de- he he expresses that that's what he does with his daughter. That's what he does with his with his creative works is he puts himself out there because he knows that's what she would want him to do. So but it, for anybody i'm sure that josh and i are on the same page high 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 recommendation for it um it's it's an hour long it's literally only 60 minutes it's intelligent poignant hilarious i i couldn't recommend it more
2: yeah it's it's very very uh quality entertainment and insight into what he's been through uh, yep. Told in a beautiful fashion.
0: Yep, he is a master of words. He really is. Yep, I knew that was the cops outside. Chaos. Um, Just be kind. Boy, that's some fun noises for everyone, isn't it? I after the dog started, stop barking, and I could start hearing like people on loudspeakers. And I'm like, is that the cops? So I'm texting my mom to see if she's like at the when she's probably at the window, not paying attention to her phone. <laughs>
2: Is your mom uh, one of those, like, no, no no nosy like my mom looking at the window if she hears me?
0: Both my parents are. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, that's just going to be some background noise for y'all. Um, okay, so the second thing we're going to talk about is all of Stranger Things. Oh, um, yeah. We'll talk about season one here because Josh hadn't seen season one until very recently here. Uh, but also, i like to do a thing on the show where if we... Oh decide to review a show that has seasons prior to it so if like we do season three of a show we will talk about season one and two we kind of did it with voltron
1: yeah um,
0: and i and i kind of plan on doing that as we go with the show since it's brand new so uh josh what were your thoughts on season one um briefly i was a huge fan i watched it right after it came out and it it had all those right notes for me and uh I was really excited about season two. Um, so, how quickly before you talk about season one? How quickly between season one and two did you have? Like, what was the time length?
2: Uh, we watched it Wednesday of last week. That was my first exposure to season one. Was Wednesday night of last week, uh, and, and so season two, two less than forty-eight hours later.
0: Okay, so you only had a, you only had a couple days. Okay, that's what I want. That's what I was curious. But yeah, because I had a whole year. And
2: uh, yeah, I had intentionally been putting it off because just basing seeing the original trailer, I was like, I'm going to love that. And Misty saw it and she's like, I'm going to love that, too. And we don't watch a lot of actual TV TV. And with yeah, her work hard. schedule and everything, it's hard for us to really get invested heavily. So we only follow a few shows. So we intentionally put it off for a while until it's like, well, let's wait a while because in a downtime, then we can watch it.
0: Okay. So to um to let the audience know, if you haven't seen Stranger Things, we are about to talk everything about Stranger Things. So spoilers abound, be warned.
2: Spoiler heavy. Um,
0: Season one takes place in 1983.
2: November of
0: 1983. 1983, okay. Um that's what I, I was like, I think. Uh and it takes place in Hawkins, Indiana, um, which is this kind of smallish town. Um, and it's there's four boys. There's Dustin, Lucas, Mike, and Will. Um, they are really close friends, and one day Will goes missing. So then the uh, the police station, Will's mom, and the four boys basically start out on this adventure trying to find Will, discover some supernatural stuff going on, um, and uh, what makes the show so much fun is you get that serious, super dramatic moment with Will's mom, and and his brother having you know very strong visceral reactions to Just Will being missing. You have Hopper, the the the, the police detective, and and his serious moments dealing with um, both the supernatural stuff, but also kind of like second guessing the supernatural stuff on top of dealing with uh, the uh, the laboratory in which the supernatural stuff basically came from. Um, and then you have the boys. Being very 80s stereotypes to an extent, to how, uh, like movies like Stand By Me, Goonies, ET, so on and so on. Um, so, uh, you have two different basically two different styles of the way the story is being told, and uh, the whole show is dramatic there were a few funny moments. Um, but it's, it's incredibly entertaining. Um, I think personally to me, it's entertaining as hell. Um, but it's still it's kinda old in my mind because again I watched it a year ago. But Josh here, I'm excited to hear what he has to say because it's super fresh in his mind. So what did you think of season one?
2: Oh man. Um I bumped into a friend of mine Saturday uh at the comic shop. And his daughter was dressed up as eleven nice she was in the pink dress with the blonde wig and the little uh windbreaker jacket or the you know zipper jacket that she had on the ankle socks the tube socks with the big straps the shoes and carrying a box of egos. and she had a little trickle of blood from her left nostril nice and um We got to talking about the show. I was like, dude, I just started watching it a few nights ago. And we watched the first three episodes last night. He's like, so did we. And I'm absolutely loving the show. And he said to me, and I got to thinking, I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. That he was talking to a friend about it. And he said, how would you describe this show to somebody who had never seen it? He's like, take the Goonies and mesh it with E.T. and imagine it written by Stephen King.
0: So Shit. before you continue, uh, the Duffer Brothers actually that like there was a list of things that were their inspiration. Uh, here are the list of things: Stand by Me, Goonies, E.T., uh, Twin Peaks, um, uh, X Files, uh, John John Hughes films. Oh my God! What else was there?
2: Probably Aliens.
0: Yes, Aliens was it was an inspiration.
2: Uh, X Men.
0: yeah x-men um as a matter of fact in the first episode uh um lucas and uh dustin are, or no it's lucas and dustin and will and there's some there's a brief conversation where they mention uh uh like giving up a specific issue of x-men 134 134 Mm -hmm. which is a correlation to what's going on with 11 because it's the phoenix saga and yada 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 Everything the Duffer Brothers do, in terms of writing the show, are direct nostalgia links to things from the mid to late 80s and early 90s, uh, very, very intentionally. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So you you recognizing that is 100% intentional.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I've since gathered the fact, um, by watching the, like... Talking Dead inspired uh, beyond Stranger Things that we'll get into later. Uh, How much of it was intentional, but I loved the nods because some of them are subtle and some of them are just like, you know what? We love this and we're just going to write in your face. Here it is. This is how much we love it. We're patterning it, you know, in this style too. Um, But it was just done so well that It didn't feel to me that it was intentional it was done that well. There were things that in hindsight going back and seeing only after watching the Beyond Stranger Things that I realized, oh shit, my suspension of disbelief was so good I didn't make that correlation until just now that it was pointed out about the the intent of certain things. So. I really enjoyed that aspect. Very, what,
0: what, do you, what do you mean by the the oh, pardon me, the intent of things? Uh just you know
2: how how the how things are meant to remind you uh or pay om, pay homage or um you know the nods to certain things, the Easter eggs, if you will, like season two. Sean Astin's character in a tunnel after looking at a map, total reference to the Goonies, you know, and he yeah. even actually says, Pirate Treasure, you know, and yeah.
0: there's a, there's, I, a, there's I, an actually,
2: I totally did not think <laughs> of him in the Goonies as a kid, as Mikey saying, Oh, you know, this is one eye, Willie's map. And they're in these tunnels. I didn't think that. I thought, this is Bob Newby, superhero, in these tunnels. I didn't make that correlation. I knew there was a Goonies feel, but a specific correlation like that, I never made that until completely after, because in the moment, I was so engrossed with the storytelling and the visuals that nothing else entered my mind at all. That's what um, I mean by disguising yeah, yeah, yeah. the intent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. I was gonna say because yeah, Sean Levy, uh, beyond Stranger Things, like he reveals some intentional um correlations to things, and I remember the the actors just going, oh, "I didn't even pick up on that." So
2: yeah, I had the same feeling on several things. <laughs> also, side note, Sean Levy, I was like, oh my god. He was in the movie Zombie Nightmare with Adam West that MST3K spoofed, and that's on Netflix. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, there you go. I didn't even. I didn't even.
2: Yeah, yeah. Give that a view, and you'll see like twenty-year-old Sean Levy with '80s glorious feathered mullet hair. It's hilarious. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, it's funny when I talk to people about. Uh, about Stranger Things, I get one of two reactions. I get uh, uh, Sorry, my parents are texting me about what the cops are doing outside. Um, I get one or two reactions. I get people saying that it's too nostalgic, which I totally understand, because I've even discussed in the video game podcast we do that sometimes nostalgia can be a bad thing. Um, if it's used in such a way that doesn't doesn't promote a proper response to things. So for example, to kind of clarify what I'm getting at here, if if you are the type of person that loves your nostalgia to a to a fault and you're not willing to understand that maybe your nostalgia sucks, um then uh then that, that's going to be a problem. Um But if you're the type of person that uses your nostalgia to create new things, then that's where it's good. And I feel that that's what this show does, but there's a lot of people that feel like it's too strong on the nostalgia. That instead of making something that could have been their own, they basically made a cross between Goonies and and Stand By Me, or Goonies and E.T. Yeah. And I, I totally understand that, but at the same time, That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, but it pulls from multiple sources as inspirations and paying tributes to and still manages to be its own thing at the same time. uh, That's what what a lot of people probably dismiss.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, um, I think the Duffer brothers do a really good job at making a show that's strongly inspired and nostalgic for them with what they've watched and what they've experienced growing up, but also at the same time made something that my nephews can watch where their nostalgia doesn't exist yet. First off, secondly, um, they have no connection to half of the stuff that's, that, that was used for inspiration. They still haven't seen Goonies. They still haven't seen alien, um, which, as their uncle, I should fix that, I know. Uh,
2: you have yeah. a homework assignment, sir.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I keep meaning to have them watch Alien, but it just never happens. Um, But they, like, they love Stranger Things. They adore that show. I could talk to them for hours about Stranger Things because it's that good of a show. And I think that's what the point that I like to make to people about who critique the show on its strong nostalgia tendencies is that it's not what makes the show good. No, that's the important. You could literally, no, you couldn't, but still like the show is good on its own, regardless of that nostalgia. So I think that for people like you and me, Josh, like that's nostalgia strong. And that absolutely adds to the enjoyment we get from the show. But when you think about the people who don't have the nostalgia, like, the fact that they enjoy it just as much is awesome.
2: Exactly. Exactly. We've Uh, tried to get Madison to sit and watch it, but she only watched the first episode. But she is easily frightened by things. uh, Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to try to get her into it. But she's like, she knows who the characters are because, you know, I have a surround sound system. So when we watch something, I like to enjoy it in all of its glory. Um, so, you know, her, her bedroom's down the hall. You can actually hear the living room television better in her bedroom than you can in here sometimes. So sometimes I forget and we're late at night watching it and she'll say something that occurred to me on the show. I was like, you haven't even watched the show. She's like, I've listened to about the whole thing though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, this is definitely one of those shows and we're still on season one, by the way, everybody, just so you know. Oh, yeah. um, this is definitely going to be one of those shows that will go down in history, and uh, years to come from now, it'll still be brought back up as you know a classic or something of that effect. Um, just because it's that it's that well written, that well executed, that well acted.
2: Oh, the acting is Winona Ryder not the picture perfect neurotic basket case of a mess.
0: She yeah, she, she does is
2: fantastic.
0: Yeah, she she's yeah, I yeah, could not agree more with that. I think uh I also think that it was really smart of them to cast her in that role uh simply because she herself carries a nostalgic uh breath to her.
2: Mhm. Um, most people's first exposure to her in our age bracket would be Beetlejuice. Um, yeah. And you know, she uh she she was awesome in that movie. Ow. I've got a kitten here, it's messing with my mic cord, and I'm trying to get away from it before you unplug <laughs> it. Like, I'm, mess,
0: I'm me. gonna mess up your podcast.
2: Yeah. but yeah she uh her her reaction though to learning about will going missing um and then her just diehard belief that he is still out there that he is alive and then her communicating with him and everybody's just looking at her like she's nuts. She's like, I know I look like I'm nuts. I know it sound nuts, but it's still true. She pulls that off to such perfection.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. Uh, there's a moment in season one where she's convinced that Will, or yeah, Will is still alive, but everyone else is convinced Will is dead. Including... Even her
2: own other son, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so there's that argument between them on the street. Um, (laughs) Like, I don't know why that scene stands out so much in my head, but it was just so, it was such a strong scene. I think it was because throughout the rest of the season, those two were basically the same, on the same page. They were on the same team looking for Will and hunting for Will. And everything either of them did, they were both just like, okay, fine, it's to help find Will. But at a point, Will's older brother was kind of like, all right, well, he's gone. There's nothing we can do. Well, she was still fighting. And so there was that conflict between them. And I think at that point, it divided a lot of viewers, which is really smart, you know, filmmaking. Um, and I, I, it just, that scene such, just stands out so much. By the way, just, I, don't, I mean, for anybody who, who's, who's ever watched the show or whatnot, that older brother is British, strong, strong British accent. I uh, didn't know this until Beyond Stranger Things, uh oh, you was didn't? talking and nope. I was like, well
2: <laughs> Well, I learned it a couple of days ago. Um poor lad got picked up at the airport for um
0: Oh yeah, that's yeah. right.
2: Yeah. No, I'm not gonna say don't want to <laughs> broadcast dirty laundry. But hopefully that doesn't affect him in a negative way because i, I really enjoy him as jonathan he is great
0: yeah, yeah, yeah i again i don't think it will affect him um i think the uh i think the only thing that could possibly happen is he'll get carded or get not carded but stopped every time he comes out of an airport again um but i don't think netflix cares um uh i hope they don't care yeah Um, Well, look what happened
2: with (laughs) the the Mr. Spacey's allegations and what happened to House of Cards.
0: Yeah, that's... that's Of course, this
2: is a completely different animal, of course.
0: Yeah, like, like, that's why I'm saying, like, a a drug charge is not as important uh, simply because... um, So yeah, drug charge isn't as important because the um uh it's no it's not hurting anybody else. It's just hurting him. Sorry, exactly. I was I don't know why it was taking me for so long to get to that, but yeah, yeah. He's <clears> uh <throat> uh the Kevin Spacey thing, like there's there's another part to that. So oh, yeah. uh but to get off that topic
1: Exactly
2: then, yeesh. <laughs> uh, um, Another podcast in itself, right there.
0: <laughs> I'm really happy you enjoyed season one. I'm really happy that you. Oh,
2: I was hooked from the opening scene with the kids. And so wow. You haven't mentioned the
0: dean
1: yet. I'm sure
2: that's. What happened. I love how she just interrupts my train of thought. There, <laughs> sitting over there on the couch, hasn't spoken a word. As I'm holding a and d miniature in my hand, getting ready to hold it up, I was like, as soon as I saw him playing D&D, you know, here's a little policer beast, you know, <laughs> um, I have it in hand, getting ready to do that. She's like, oh, tell him why, because of the D&D references. Thanks, honey. <laughs> well, it is a spoiler cast, but shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always been a big fan of D&D. I've always been a big fan of Star Wars. Uh, I'm just dying for them to make some more references uh, to things that I loved growing up, even though I don't feel it is that nostalgia heavy. But when they do hit those notes, it's a good feeling and uh, it makes my inner nerd just cry out with joy. I love it so much. But yeah, I mean, as soon as I saw them playing d and D, I I was hooked. I was like, oh, all right, these kids are awesome and (laughs) and talking comics, comics that I've grown up reading and read the same comics that they're referencing the same time period that it's happening in. Uh, That was something I could really relate to, you know, because I was just... They're all about 12 years old in the first season. Uh, So a lot of the things that they were going through i was going through as well a couple of years behind that of course but still i still remember what it was like during that time the things i was into and that was a great thing
0: yeah yeah i think that also influences their curiosity so much too is that not only are they into like they're in the av club they're into science they're you know they're good, they're essentially good friends with their teacher but they also like they are super geeky like you look around that basement or their rooms individually you know the rooms you get to go to it's like us at that age
2: (laughs) It's like me now (laughs) (laughs) honey what was my room like the first time you ever stepped foot in it (laughs) <laughs> what was, what was, what was hanging from the ceiling? Um, there were, <laughs> I think you had your, um,
1: Millennium Falcon <laughs> hanging from the ceiling and also some of you your
2: C.I.
1: helicopter.
2: Yeah. I had vehicles hanging from the ceiling. I had shelves lining my walls. I was, I'm still that way. Uh, so I love the whole thing. Like, can you make this fly when they hold up the Millennium Falcon? I was like, yes, do it. Uh,
0: but yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fun. I think that's that's exactly like your your attitude towards that is. What they were going for, they definitely wanted people like us to connect to those kids as strongly as we did. Um
2: But, but even, even without that, I still think there would have been a strong connection to them. I was because... just about to say.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, my mom's not geeky at all, and she found a strong connection to those kids. So.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if you haven't watched season one at this point, what are you doing with your life? Um, also, if you're watching this podcast and you don't have Netflix, I just thought of that, like, that's weird. Uh,
1: but, um, but yeah, let's, let's, let's move on to season
0: two since that's the topic of discussion here. Um, what were your thoughts on season two?
2: I think season two took everything from season one and built upon it masterfully. Um I really enjoyed the character progression and how, okay, at the end of season one, you know, spoiler alert, like we said, it's spoiler heavy, Will is saved by, you know, 11, but now 11's missing. You know, um... Everybody's trying to return back to their normal lives. But at the start of season two, we find out nobody's life is really all that normal compared to what it was, you know. And that becomes one of the recurring things throughout season two. Things will never be the same again. Um, but season two, I really liked how in season one, Lucas was distrusting of Eleven. And went to be trusting of her and befriending her in the end. And now there's a new girl in town, Max. And how Mike is just absolutely like, no, we're not having it. She's not a part of this group. Don't want her around. And Lucas is the one who's like, oh, come on, you know. It's like they switched roles there.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I I really... think
0: something that I think something that they all deal with... Uh in season one that they don't have to deal with so much in season two is uh, disbelief amongst them. Amongst them? Amongst them. I think... uh, I don't know why I said it so Amongst them. um, Like, for example, there's a lot of nah from Lucas. Like, eh, it's probably not a monster, but whatever. Uh, Yeah. But in in season two, like that's just not the case. So there's just, I don't know. There's a lot there. There's a lot more there. And I
2: love how when she's brought in and he finally decides to break it all down for her, he's like, okay, this is what happened. This is the story. And she's like, okay, come on. That didn't happen. That's ridiculous. And this is crazy. Uh, You know, kind of poking a little bit of fun at the show in itself. It's like, yes, we realize that some of these things are absurd, but you're still here. You know, you're still yeah. watching. Yeah, um
1: exactly.
2: But I really I really enjoyed um how Steve from you know, season one, Steve went from being this kind of a douchebag, but not a total dickbag, um kind <laughs> of guy to redeeming himself at the end of season one, to basically becoming the lovable big brother, Steve, who just, for some reason, always seems to end up getting his ass kicked at the end of each season.
0: Yeah, Uh, seriously.
2: But I really got, like, you ever see the movie The Monster Squad?
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Rudy from The Monster Squad.
2: yeah, Rudy from the Monster Squad. He was the older kid that the younger kids wanted to hang out with and be cool and hang out. He kind of gave me that. He's a Rudy from the Monster Squad, kind of an older teen hanging out, looking out with these guys. But at the same time, he's like, okay, I love the big brother, little brother dynamic that him and Dustin formed. I yeah, really yeah. love that.
0: Uh you know it it's it was really interesting to me that those two got paired together simply because I I would have never thought that to be a thing. Uh but I adored it. Like the whole time like I was just like this is this is a fun pairing.
2: Yeah, it really really was and it was more than just an amusing pairing. There were some actual like you know, okay, he's really taking a shine to this kid. He's really wanting to help he's really wanting to give him legit advice it may not be the best advice but he's still wanting to be there and uh, <laughs> just the whole I liked how they're like okay uh, well Dustin we gotta find something for him to do oh look Steve you know we need something for him to do let's put them together somehow and it, just how they did it was brilliant
0: yeah absolutely absolutely I um, I, w- I would like to have seen more uh, with them in general, but I get why you know, like you want the story to progress, so you don't want to spend too much time with these characters.
2: Yeah, uh, but I mean, if there is ever a standalone episode with them, I wouldn't be upset about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah same here.
2: That was great.
0: Um, uh-huh. I thought uh, so. So there's actually something really funny in season two that I wanted to kind of bring up, and that's Eleven's progression through it. Yes, uh, when we finally when we, when she. She basically disappears at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't know where she is. We don't know if she's in the Upside Down. We don't know if she's just disappeared in general. We don't know if she's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, we assume not because we see Hopper put egos and other food in a like, box in the middle of the forest.
2: Yeah, and you're like, okay, how does he know how to do that? And I love how that was answered.
0: Yeah, so uh, when we first meet up with Eleven in season two, she's actually with Hopper. She's been living with Hopper for a while now. And, uh, um, uh, she seems to be getting a little bit stronger grasp on her powers because she's able to unlock the door without <coughs> making her nose bleed. There goes something on Josh's desk. Um, that
2: was a cat that had crawled up onto my keyboard tray and it learned what gravity is. <laughs> I, I was pulling it out trying to get it and it backed up and just kept backing up and fell onto the, uh, bottom of the the shelf that holds the tower and things so i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that loud noise of cat falling from about two feet in the air oh, i think it's fine um so Elle's progression she's living with hopper for the past year
0: yeah and uh uh it's not it's not the most ideal of living like living situations 11 starting to become a teenage girl and And she's starting to get a little bit of that angst and that little, the, 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 I want to venture out and be my own person where Hopper's like, that's great and all, but the government's after you. So no. And, uh, she doesn't know how to process this information. And so eventually she decides, fuck it, I'm out. And, um, uh, when she leaves, she almost gets everything compromised. Um, and, uh, when um
1: <sighs> sorry
0: wow <laughs> i would not be surprised if i heard gunshots right now that was loud anyway uh sorry folks uh for you watching at home there is a police raid happening like across the street oh, uh there has been a fugitive living over there for- time and the cops finally got wind of where it was so Oh. That's a problem for him. Uh but
1: um Oh sorry. Uh so
0: when when she ventures out and, and she almost gets everything caught and like done, and then she's like in the house, she's mad at Hopper because he didn't stay there for Halloween and hang out with her with candy and all because he he wouldn't let her go trick or treating. And um, so she's mad at him, and then she just she's like, "Oh, I have a mom." So she goes to find her mom, discovers that her mom was actually like part of the like quieting down part of the experiment. Essentially, back in the back in the seventies and eighties, there were this maybe just sixties, there was a, uh, a a series of experiments done. To try to um, actually get people to have psychic ability. Um, this obviously did not did not work in real life, but that was part of where the inspiration came for having L to have powers. And um, uh, when when she gets to meet her mom, her mom basically gives her the memories of like she tried to keep her baby. She couldn't handle the fact the government had her had had L. She tries to go in and get L. She she shoots a she shoots a guard, and then as she tries to like she gets to the room with L. And then is captured. But then they the the government goes a step further, or the Hawkins laboratory goes a step further and uh, puts electrodes to her brain, basically making her not comatose, but um, what's it called? When you dull someone's brain to the point where they're just a vegetable,
2: yeah, kind of like a lobotomy,
0: kind of yeah. like a lobotomy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's they, they
2: that's pulled what, a total cuckoo's nest on her. Yep. Like Electroshock therapy from one floor of the cuckoo's nest.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, when L discovers all this information she is she doesn't know what to do like she doesn't know where to go however in the memory there's another girl there's another uh the girl that's a little bit older and um as she's looking through other like paperwork and stuff that um her mom. i they don't clarify it but i'm pretty sure that it's her mom's lover like they were a couple but now she just takes care of her did you pick up on that or was it something else? It,
2: no, it was her sister.
0: Was it her sister? I think cuz I I I picked up I picked up a, a significant other. Is what I got from that.
2: I mean, I'll have to rewatch it cuz I've only watched the entire thing once, but I'm pretty sure that it was her sister.
0: I cuz I was waiting for sister. I was waiting for the word sister to pop, up, but I never heard it. And and again, this is unless I just wasn't paying that close attention, but uh uh, but anyway, regardless, the woman that's there taking care of her mom. She refers um,
1: to her as Aunt Becky, so.
0: That's another reason why I say lover. Uh, uh. But sister could also be Aunt Becky. Um.
2: That's when she discovers the
0: actually, picture of the girl. You know what? I'm gonna have to look that up later. Anyway, regardless regardless because it kept getting off track here uh she sees the girl she sees the other girl um uh and uh she uses her ability much like she did with her mom and will to find her she discovers that she lives in chicago so episode seven of the whole ninth season episode season season seven is a complete departure from what the show is and she goes to chicago looking for this girl um Kali is the character's name, but she also has a tattoo of, of an eight on her arm. Was it six or eight? Eight. It was eight. Okay, that's what I thought.
1: So yeah, she... Uh, um, uh And
0: she basically teaches Elle how to be a... How to use her abilities better than she already knows how to use them. Which causes them to have a run-in with the cops... Um, and Kali's powers are awesome. Basically, basically Kali's powers are, she also has psychic abilities, but they are, um, uh, mind altering. So she can make people see whatever she wants them to see. Whereas L can just move stuff with her mind. And of course, find people via going into the void. Um,
2: yeah. Um, Kali is kind of like Danny Moonstar from the new mutants. There you go. Mental image projections. Uh, to yeah. where they're so real people believe them.
0: There you go. That's that's worded better than what I was trying to go for. <laughs> uh, so, oh gosh. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, uh, she ends up coming to the realization that she needs to go back and help her friends in Hawkins. And uh, from what I've gathered from most people, and my own personal opinion, that is the weakest episode of the show. It's not an unnecessary episode, it's just not as strong. I don't know if you feel the same way, Josh. I would
2: probably have to say, yeah, it's probably the weakest episode, but it was still important because of things in the episode. Um, one, Collie's right. motivation versus um, Elle's motivation is totally Magneto versus Xavier everybody's like oh so it's like her Yoda and I'm sitting here thinking no it's her Magneto because they have a strong bond emotionally from when they were younger children but they want to use their gifts but for completely different reasons and yeah. it is a total Magneto Xavier vibe. Um however it was also necessary because for Eleven to pull off what she does at the end of season two, she needed somebody to teach her how to do that, to how to focus and channel uh her experiences and anger uh to drive her power.
0: So I just and, watched I just watched a cat try to clean itself and then fall on the shoulder. Yeah, I caught it down here. Oh, a way of life. But obviously uh, the environment down here is also.: But uh, At the, the, the same time. It's also, also that
2: moment, and Misty can attest to this, at the end of that episode, when the cops are about to get them, and she shows mercy to this person who had done a horrible thing to her mother. She shows mercy to this person because he had children there and the cops are closing in on them and she puts her hand out. She's like, come with me. You know, you're my sister. Come with me. And she's like, no, I have to go back. And she's like, they can't save you. She says, I know that, but I can save them. That elicited a big whoop of excitement and a hell yes from Misty off the couch. Uh, She was really excited. So while it may have been a a weaker episode of the overall season, the moment, uh, the realization of what comes at the end is the payoff and what you're looking for.
0: Right. I, I, I was trying to figure out why that episode was a standalone because the, the story that's told in that episode is very important to, to Elle's progression. Um, very, very, very important. Not only does she meet somebody like her, which is important, but she learns how to use her powers better. Um, she, uh, she understands that life is valuable in that episode. Uh, she understands that friends are valuable and that sometimes self sacrifice is important. All of those lessons are incredibly important to her character building. However, it was bizarre to me and others why it had to be a standalone episode, because I personally feel that if you were to make it cut that down to a half an hour and intersect it with what's going on in Hawkins, it would have been a much more palatable experience.:
2: Probably so, or even you know, splitting it up between a couple of episodes. Uh, working it in and splitting it up, probably so. Yeah, I mean, it did feel a little shoehorned because of how quick she, you know, left Indiana, got to Chicago, and got back. Um, it felt a little rushed, but at the same time, you know, um, I was okay with it, ultimately. That part could have been fleshed out a little better, though.
0: So. Yeah, I didn't, like I said, I didn't hate the episode. I didn't just, hate on it. Not at all. Yeah, it was, just, it was just bizarre to me that they decided to make that a standalone episode. And I think the reason they did was because they really didn't want to detract from what lessons and, and, and growth Elle was going through.
2: Um, also, I think it is a potential setup for the future. What happened to Kali? And she's got the number eight tattooed on her wrist dr brenner is declared to still be alive in that episode
0: that's yeah and and Callie knows what to to make that projection on l so that's going to be number a big... eight
2: number 11 where's one through seven where's nine ten are there more after 11 will we see more kids from this lab these are the big questions that episode alone raised. Is Brenner still alive? Are there more of these kids? Yeah. Are we going to see them? Are they be Are they going to become like a team of X Men to take on some terrible inter interdimensional uh, threat to save the world in the future? I mean, who knows? Yeah, but it's it's cool to think about.
0: Absolutely, I, I completely agree with you. I think. So, Something that happens at the end of the season after they defeat, after they close the gate, um, and they're at the ball, and it's, like, it's the last shot of the season, yeah, uh, where the song I'll Be Watching You is playing, and then it like mm-hmm. shows the monster watching them, not just like kind of there, but like knows that they're in the other version of location, just flat out
2: hovering. Right over top of their location, like you seeing into it, is like I'll get you next time, gadget.
1: You yeah, yeah, like? yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like my mom was just like, "It's mad," and I'm absolutely mad. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm super fuck. I like I cannot like season two or season one ended, and I I I kept telling my mom this, like, because we had a discussion about it. Season one ended with like. More questions than answers. You know, where's L? What's going to happen next? What's Hawkins Labs going to do? That they didn't close the gate. Like, are there more demo- Demogorgons? Like, there were a lot of questions. This season was like, well, everything's technically dead in the real world. The gate's closed. What's going to happen now? Like, that's the only question we have because everyone's safe. By the time we see these kids again, if they're going to keep this 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 uh, pattern of of having the show having the show literally air every year, but having to let the kids age a year, essentially, and then film it, which is brilliant, by the way. Um, Like, when we see the kids again, like, what next? Like, Uh I'm so... I'm so (laughs) excited for, like, what the potential is.
2: It's the exciting... that's, That's what is exciting about the potential for different places they can go um because their storytelling has been wonderful. Yeah. Uh,
0: I also I I want to say I want to say the other the other character that I had I absolutely like could not get enough of was Hopper.
2: I love Hopper.
0: Could be Hopper. a whole show about just him and I'd I'd love it to death.
2: Hopper is the man because Hopper has tragic past you know and he fell into his reckless um, you know he lost his daughter and his wife they divorced he fell into alcoholism his life was barely hanging together by the thread and you know through us all he's still like the ultimate 80s man he's like still holding on to that and then all of a sudden, he gets thrust into all of this, and he clearly has feelings left over from whatever prior history he had with uh, Will and Johnson's mom. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah I, you know, I think uh, that's that's what makes him such a versatile character is that you know you know the history to like kind of you know the history kind of because they kind of mm-hmm. touched on season one, but in season two, like he's trying to become more of a father figure.
2: Yes, uh, th- that's what I love, the uh, relationship between he and Eleven. They have been living with e- each other since December. This is picks up like a couple days prior to Halloween, you know, almost a year later. Um, she has brought him balance, and he has kind of brought her balance. She's definitely softened him a little bit. Uh, he's not drinking anymore. He's actually kind of in a routine. He's teaching her. He's feeding her. He's giving her, you know, a pretty awesome place to live, really, you know, and at the same time, she's kind of bringing his humanity back to him. Uh, because he pretty much lost a lot of that. She's brought him hope back. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah exactly. Like, I completely agree with you because, uh, if it weren't for the, the the situation in the first show or first season and then him having to still deal with it in second season, uh, he might not have, he might he might not be around. He might have driven his car into a tree being drunk, you know, like it. he talks about in the second to last episode, him and him and Elle are heading over to the gate. He talks about how his life is a black hole. That bad stuff just seems to find him. But what he's failing to see is that all of this gave him purpose. All of this gave him a reason to not continue drinking. um, Or at least excessively like he was. And I think that speaks volumes when a character doesn't recognize it, but you do. Because that makes you, that makes the character more realistic. <laughs> It makes it makes you kind of go like, yeah, I might not have recognized that about myself either. And it's just so, it's such good writing. It's such good writing. But yeah, Hopper they, and the guy who plays Hopper, um, David Harbor. David Harbor, thank you. I'm
2: so excited to see him as Hellboy now.
0: Yeah, forgot about that. Hell yeah! Sorry, <laughs> I just got real excited about that. I love Hellboy, so I'm I really
2: do too. And uh, I I saw the pictures of him a couple, about a month back, and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I loved Ron Perlman as Hellboy, but he looked spot on, like he just walked off the comic page perfect.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then
2: after seeing him in this, I'm like, okay, they definitely made the right choice. Plus, Ron Perlman's like, you know, 60-some years old.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And they, and it's not being made by the same group of people, so if yeah. it's not being made by Gamma the Toro, I don't want Ron Perlman to be Hellboy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Uh, but, yeah, that's
2: something to discuss at another time.
0: Exactly. Um,
2: uh, you know, I, initially, I didn't trust Bob.
1: Uh, neither did
0: I. Neither did Bob. I. He, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of watched a few more episodes of What it is, is that and and uh uh oh god, what's the actor's name? Who plays Bob? I'm drawing a fat Sean right Austin. now. Sean Aston, thank you. Sean Aston does an excellent job of playing the kind of guy who would be very, very particular on the words he uses. So particular that an outside source would hear it and just kinda like, Alright, that seems kinda condescending, but I'm not sure. And there was a lot of times where Bob would talk. Or you have little monologues, like short monologues. You're just like, boy, that seemed contrived. But it's not contrived from a script point. It's contrived from that's the character. That's how he would speak in that situation. Ooh. And there are moments where he's, he's not thinking. He's just reacting. And what he says and does is not what, how he acted before. Yeah. And so Sean Astin, like, I cannot express how good of a job he did with
2: Oh which, yeah, which is why they extended his role.
0: <laughs> which 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 makes his death so fucking powerful.
2: Yeah, his death was really well done.
0: Uh but yeah, initially
2: I thought he was uh the first couple episodes I was like, Man, he's a mole. He is a plant by Hawkins. He's trying to figure out more what's going on, but no, he was just oblivious and just buddy.
0: if it counts for anything, I thought that all the way till the scene in Hawkins lab
2: <laughs> Oh really?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I was like I was like this seems all really weird and contrived. Like he's just there to intentionally like keep keep an eye on them. Uh but then like there were moments that started happening where he genuinely looked confused. This is what I was talking about where he stopped sounding like he was very thoughtfully making making sure that his word counted and it just went straight into like him reacting. And I was like, "Oh, Oh, maybe Bob is just maybe job. Maybe Bob is just a little bit of a puns. Okay, yeah. all yeah. right. He was uh, definitely that. <laughs> and then yeah, and then they started to express a little bit more about like who he was in high school. And I went, "Oh, oh Sean Aston, you son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and so, I
2: loved how he just picked up almost immediately Will's drawing when he was trying to. Flesh out and sketch the now memories as he referred to them of the mind player. He just walks in, he gets to looking around. He's like, Wait a minute, wait, I know that that's so and so late. This is a map. This is a map. And yeah. then when they show up in the tunnels later, he's like, Holy shit, we're inside Will's map. You know, this is so. Well, are we in his map? What we're in his drawing? It's just yeah. like, Oh man, that was just so. And it's that moment I was like, Okay, yeah. He's not a mole. He's just a blithering idiot, but a genius at the same time.
0: He's kind of like an idiot. He's he's an oblivious genius. Yes. Um, Yes. But yeah, Bob Bob was easily one of the better characters. I want to quickly touch on, we don't have a whole lot of time left, so I want to briefly touch on um, uh, the new characters. Uh, So we already talked about Callie. Um, Paul Reiser. Uh, Paul Reiser, phenomenal work. Well uh, done love it paul riser's character was definitely like you could kind of trust him but you couldn't you didn't want to trust him because he worked for hawkins labs but you're like man it's paul riser like i like you but at an arm's distance <laughs> there, was,
2: there was definitely some uh throwbacks to aliens to oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah Bert,
2: because he's all like trust me trust me and then leads them to doom and then, you know, he's like, oh, you can trust me. Trust me. And he seems like he genuinely wants to help. And it's like, I want to trust him, but I just don't.
0: Those are the, moment, the moments where I felt like I could trust him were when uh, he's in those big meetings and he's fighting everybody else about, like, yes. keeping Will alive and all this kind of stuff. And they're just like, we don't care. And he's like, well, it's I do. He's him.
2: like, no, that's not the answer. Yeah, you know, that's,
0: we, that's when I felt that's like I could trust that, him. But other than that, that it was kind of okay. like,
2: he really does care and he really does want to do good. So, yeah. And the whole moment when he, like, they're sending that team in, and all of a sudden they get slaughtered by all the demodogs. And he's watching on the monitors. It was a perfect callback to Aliens of the APC when he and uh, Sigourney Weaver and the Lieutenant Gorman are watching Apon's team get slaughtered by the aliens. I was like, oh, man, that's great. Yeah. But I loved, I loved Max.
1: Yeah, that whole the whole scene where they were going through the tunnels
2: and they were being attacked by the new
1: organs and DM yeah. a complete and total throwback to aliens when they were down there around the nuclear
0: um Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um I was gonna say that uh yeah, you, you kinda mentioned Max and Billy as as a as a duo because well before we get to Max and Billy, because Max and Billy are actually like the final thing I want to talk about, I want to briefly talk about the Conspiracy Theory character. That uh, Oh,
2: God. Brent Gilman was genius. I didn't realize that was him until today.
1: <laughs> that, that he
2: played Maury Bowman. Yeah. Loved him. Even though he was just in the first episode and, what, the fifth or sixth one? You know, he just in those yeah, two he's, episodes he's pretty much. The,
0: he's in the first episode and then he's in the, yeah, like, fifth and sixth episode. Um,
2: and then, uh, and, the, and a brief scene in the final one.
0: Yeah, 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 cuz he's waving by at the yeah. Um but that that fifth and sixth episode where uh um I'm so bad with names. Jonathan My and older, Nancy. Yes, Jonathan and Nancy, thank you. They're, you know, they're going over there and they're like we have the, you know, like Jonathan and Nancy's entire like scheme to trick Hawkins into giving information away and their entire like she just she looks at his board, she's like, Your timeline's wrong, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? And uh and then like but his character was very much in the in the mindset of like everything's bullshit, everything's a conspiracy. And uh the fact that uh he even used that on on Jonathan and Nancy's relationship was so was so much fun to watch. That kind oh, of yeah. um and then speaking of that, like he is an improv actor. So, that entire scene, and you find out this in the in that after show Beyond Stranger things, where that entire scene where he drops his A's and is just like, "Oops, yeah, it was totally, improv.
2: yeah, that was pretty funny
0: it, absolutely brilliant, like I could not love that more um but uh, I really, really hope to see more of him in season three, um, and I'm sure we will consider considering the circumstances, but. I I think when we see him it'll be like there is no actual conspiracy going on and he's just making things up because he needs purpose. So we'll see where that goes, but I'm interested. Um but let's talk about uh um Max and uh Billy. Uh Oh he's he's such a douchebag. Absolutely. I think I've always said this for a long time, that when you introduce a villain, when you have a villain, especially a villain that's human, you have to give them something that makes them understandable. Um, every good villain has a part of them that you go, oh, I get kind of why they're an asshole. And there's a moment, I think in it's episode
2: seven or eight,
0: it's not seven. Cause seven, seven's a solo with uh
2: Okay, episode 8 then.
0: Yeah, 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 um where Max has been with, you know, been with Lucas and Dustin and and uh um Steve for such a while that uh Billy is trying to like Billy's told like told to go find them by his by his actual dad. This is where you learn that Billy and his dad moved in with Max and her mom and that Billy and Max are stepbrother and sister. Um And Max and Billy's dad is abusive.
2: Very abusive.
0: Verbally and physically. And that's where you learn why Billy is such a piece of shit.
2: Um, He's learned to be a piece of shit from a piece of shit. And he's transferring that exact same uh, behavior onto his younger stepsister. And she says early on, I don't want to be anything like him.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, It also makes sense that early in earlier scenes when he's like, this is all your fault, it's not my fault, you know why it's your fault, really speaks volumes to, like, Billy basically blaming her for this, even though it's not even remotely her fault.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Also think he's racist as hell. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Uh, I I think because he specifically... Says, stay away from people like him, and targets Lucas.
0: Yeah, it's not like it's not like when she's you know with other kids that he says that he says that about Lucas, um, which makes them having their kiss in the final episode so important.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but uh, also like their pet names for each other, which is uh, Stalker and Lucy. He Color.
1: Uh. Shit.
2: I don't...
0: He doesn't call her Mad Max, he calls her something else, but... Well, no,
2: he called her Mad Max a few times, but... He
0: did, yes, yes, but not in that scene. He called her something else. He
2: she might referred... have called her Mad Max. She referred to herself as a Zoomer.
0: That, well, yeah, because she wanted to be a part but of the group. she
2: called him Stalker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um...
2: Which I thought was cool, because Stalker was one of my favorite G.I. Joe characters, and... <laughs> he, he 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 actually was you know a uh, african american character too and one of the big bigger parts of the team and i was like i can get behind her calling him stalker <laughs> <laughs> um oh.
0: but yeah like uh, uh i really really liked thought she was a very fun character to kind of throw into the mix um and she's definitely not part of the team um, and how
2: that's going to play out in the future, because there's clearly still a lot of jealousy there on Eleven's behalf.
0: Yeah. So it'll be fun. What I like what the show does is it, it like when we see the kids again, like I said, we're going to be a here. So will they have gotten over that? Will they have moved on 11? will hopefully here's what I'm thinking is that the next season will actually take place at the beginning of the school year. And um, see their
2: first day ever of public school. And it's also their first year of high school.
0: Oh, my God, you're so right. Probably won't right? have
2: cool science teacher, Mr. Clark, anymore. No. Which, which will suck because he was awesome.
0: <laughs> how, are mean, how deal do with teach, can you
2: call at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night and they're on a date that will tell you how to build a sensory deprivation chamber? <laughs> I mean, he come also- on.
0: Like he seemed like that kind of character, that kind of t- key teacher that was like, "Well, I gotta let him know how to do this thing." Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it's it's just like I absolutely adore these characters. I I, I want to see more of them. Um, I really didn't see anything wrong with this episode except for season episode seven, and again it wasn't that the message within episode seven was bad. It just felt like it was an episode that could have been sh- like a story that could have been shorter, that was stretched out for the sake of making it isolated. Yeah. yeah. In that, even in that regard, it's Netflix just have released episode seven as a 30 minute episode for crying out loud. Um, but anyway, uh, with new characters, new stories and uh, a plot that has a, that to an extent is finished, but still has more to go. Um, I think uh, Stranger Things is is absolutely one of the best shows on Netflix, and you should, and and I could not recommend it more. Um, you could probably skip over Beyond Stranger Things. Um,
2: yeah, uh, that that would be something if like you're a fan of The Walking Dead and you enjoy watching The Talking Dead afterwards. I mean, you might enjoy that, but it did kind of. Open your eyes just a little bit to a few things about their intent yes, and they why they people. put certain things in, but definitely, definitely, definitely don't watch that until after you watch season one and two. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, even uh, uh, Jim Rash talks about in the beginning. He's like, "Look, this show's going to get into spoiler territory, so make sure you've seen it season one and two in its entirety before you watch this show." Uh, but what I'll also to say: What Beyond Stranger Things feels like. Is like um, like extras on a DVD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like I I that's that's what I enjoyed about it. Uh, but it is just them talking at a table and kind of. You also get to see the relationship that the Duffer Brothers and um, uh, oh my God, what's the director's name? I, I said it like Sean me. Levy. Sean Levy. Uh, the relationship they have with the actors, uh, especially uh-huh. the kid actors. So, oh yeah.
2: And those uh, kids look like they're a lot of fun to hang around. Yeah. I, but I can imagine they'd be a pain in the ass to direct sometimes. I'd
0: probably get along with the kid who plays Dustin more than any other kid. G- Gayton. Yeah. I'd get along with him the most because he seems like he's put the most into research on the genres. mm uh-huh. And he knows his film at a young age. So, I'd probably enjoy talking to him the most, but uh probably you know, all those kids look like they're fun to hang out with oh yeah, um I, yeah, I, being I said
2: know one thing though, I do hope we see in season three if we do get to see eleven go to public school. I hope she keeps the punk look
0: yeah, uh, like yeah, or he, integrates yeah. it into like her own style hmm um but that guys that that is where we're going to uh end the show we're gonna um briefly uh like i said i recommend the um i think it's easily one of the more thought out and thought provoking shows on netflix um it's it's not and not just that it's just fun to watch in general um absolutely uh so i can't recommend it enough josh uh on i mean i'm sure you agree with that but but go ahead with your final thoughts on it
2: Uh, it's great for young. It's great for old. Um, there are some genuinely frightening things that happen. There are some genuinely funny things that happen. Uh, there are things that are a little heavy handed with the nostalgia, but as I said before, it doesn't hurt the story in any way. I think this is for audiences of all ages from all walks of life. I would give it a perfect five out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> Making a joke a reference to that old internet meme joke. Uh, no, it's it's absolutely become one of my favorite things. It is tremendously well done. Absolutely love it, and look forward to more. And That's,
0: yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I actually, uh, I actually really want them to make after season three. I want them to make more. Uh, um. Beyond Stranger Things, because I really enjoyed those interviews.
2: Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I would like to see more of that, too. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where they can go with this. You know, what's going to happen? The Mind Flayer obviously isn't finished, and no, what's going to happen with that connection with Will? Is Will ever going to catch a break?
0: <laughs> I kind of hope so, because like, having two, two stories back-to-back where Will is like, in a sense, trapped is kind of enough. <laughs> I want, I want Will to just be part of the team trying to solve the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm also, I'm also a little tired of, uh, of one underwriter's character kind of being that like frizzled. Like, oh my god, like I just wanted to be a little bit different. You know? Oh, that's something I was going to bring up real quick because I, I kind of felt like season two took on more of a horror vibe than season one did. Yeah, yeah. So, I really enjoyed that. But, um, guys, again, that is going to do it for this episode of All Cued Up. Uh, like I said, next week we are going to, or not next week, sorry, next episode we're going to be discussing Alias Grace, which comes out on the 3rd of November, and Mindhunter, which is already currently available on Netflix. So that'll be a lot of fun. Come back for that one. Um, real quick, we're going to do our link dump. you uh, Guys, follow the podcast on at Cued Up Podcast on Twitter. Um, if you want to be a guest on this show, the only stipulation is you have to have watched what we have coming up next in its entirety, so you can discuss it with spoilers intact. Um, or if you have suggested shows that you want us to check out on Netflix, let us know by 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 following us on Twitter and sending us a message there. Um, Josh, where can they follow you on the internet? Uh,
2: well, they can follow me at. NsabaNor1976 on Twitter and at NsabaNor76 on twitch.tv.
0: And do you have a schedule for your uh, streaming?
2: No. Nah, I'm
0: sporadic. <laughs> it's chaos, so I just choose to be kind. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Uh, guys, you can follow me at ChugRockEek on Twitter. Um, I also stream every Saturday on Half Empty Energy Tank. That's, that's twitch.tv slash half empty e tank. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, hopefully this episode comes out on Friday. we're Recording it on a Wednesday, so. But uh, if you're listening to this on a Friday tomorrow night, we're going to be doing some Jackbox on Heat. Um, so come in for that. We're going to play in the new Jackbox Party Pack. It's a lot of fun.
2: No, that's going to uh, be Saturday night, right? Our normal Saturday night thing.
0: Yep. Yep. I'll probably be going I'll, be, I'll probably be going way later too than than I normally do. So.
2: Okay. If yeah, it's... I definitely want to try to do that this Friday night on my own channel, so
0: nice. I'll try to hop in on that. Um also guys follow at Mission Start P on Twitter um or Mission Start Podcast on Facebook as well. Um that's where you can keep an eye on everything going on with Mission Start. Uh currently Anthony and I are working on an upcoming Let's Play show. We're actually gonna be recording the first episode or at least the first session tomorrow on twitch uh cool. you can check that out by going to twitch.tv missionstartp uh basically he'll be playing a game screen sharing it with me and we will both be commenta- commentating on it and responding to comments on twitch what he what he's going to do afterwards edit it down to the best moments and put that on youtube oh cool um also every sunday anthony and i do a weekly sunday game show news podcast uh we basically just discuss the 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 news throughout the week and give our opinions on it. Um it's a lot of fun. Absolutely come check that out. When there's a ton of content on missionstartpodcast.com, other podcasts including the Rolling Twenties, um where Jeremy and uh friends discuss uh comic book news uh or just comic books in general. Uh, We have the Conover podcast where uh, individuals who went to a certain convention are able to get together and discuss what they liked and didn't like about that convention. Um, Plus, again, we also have convention coverage on the website as a whole. So if conventions is something you're into, we try to get a lot of content up there, including pictures and opinions about the convention itself. So that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this way, all the way through this podcast, we are trying to make this a better podcast. Uh, but it is new, and we 're working very hard on making sure that it is enjoyable to you guys um if there 's something you 'd like to see changed, if there 's an addition to something you want to see like maybe the 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 screen around us maybe less red or if you want to see an intro, please let us know by going to our Twitter account or leaving a comment on the youtube video we 're more than happy to read them all but again, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for sitting through our ramblings about netflix shows um and we will see you next time
1: take care